Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. To me, Christmas is not a day. It really is a season. And the things that we do externally to remind us or to set this time aside as something special are meant to lift our spirits up, I think. Today I want to talk to you about the theme of joy. During our Advent series, we've been looking at the themes that are most commonly associated with Advent. And to re refresh your memory, Advent is about reflecting and remembering and anticipating. It comes from the Latin word Adventus. And so we were, we were looking at the theme of hope and how important it is that we, we bring hope into our day-to-day -day experience, and especially during these times. We talked about peace and what it takes to experience that inwardly. And we explored last week the idea of love and that, you know, Jesus didn't talk about converting other people. He talked about love. He talked about love. He said, the world will know that you are my students. The world will know that you are my disciples by how well you love one another. These are the themes of Christmas because these are the themes, I think, of what it means to be growing and evolving spiritually. The idea of hope, the idea of love, of peace. And I would say that when we're doing that, when we're growing in hope and love and peace, we're also going to be growing in the experience of joy. And to me, joy is actually quite different than happiness. You know, oftentimes I think those words are used synonymously. And yet, if you think about it more deeply, there is a difference, I think a qualitative difference to them. That while happiness tends to be circumstantial and perhaps connected to an event or a particular thing or a time or an action, joy is an internal, an internal experience that often comes about, I think, in response to to something we have done for another or to a sense of accomplishment. And joy isn't circumstantial. It's not about things external. It really is about an internal choice. And so I want to share some ideas with, with you this morning and some reminders to myself of what this season is all about and how to really experience no matter what is going on around us, and I know this Christmas is different for all of us than any other Christmas we've lived through, but being different doesn't mean that we cannot experience the essence of joy. So the first is to recognize that joy is a state of mind and heart, not of circumstance. Say that to yourself. Joy is a state of mind and heart, not circumstance. I bet you remember the little fable of the dog and the puppy and the bone. It's a fable about a, a, a wise old dog and a little adorable puppy. And this puppy is, is chasing around, chasing around, chasing around, trying to, trying to catch its tail because it's been told that if it can just catch its tail, even more than, than having the best tasting bone, if it can just catch its tail, that it's going to experience a sense of joy and happiness. 
And the old wise dog is watching this puppy running around in circles, never able to catch its tail, and asks it, what are you doing? And the puppy says, well, I'm trying to catch my tail because I've been told that happiness and joy reside there. And of course, the wise old dog just says to the puppy, you know, I was once told that very same thing, but over time I discovered that if I stopped running in circles chasing after it, that it just seemed to follow me wherever I went. And as simplistic as that little story is, and no matter how many times maybe we've, we've, been, we've heard it before, there is that kernel of wisdom and truth in it. That joy is not about something external to ourselves. It's right where we are. It has so little to do with circumstance. I was thinking about this idea of joy and that it is so much a state of mind and a state of heart that we can cultivate. And I was thinking just last night about, well, what are some of the sights or the sounds or even the fragrances that evoke, especially at this time of year, the sense of joy? I don't know about you, but I want to experience more joy in my life, and especially in the midst of so much that has been taken away from us externally, right? During this time of COVID and during this time of grief and loss of the life that, that we were used to living and perhaps other kinds of loss that we've experienced, to also know that even in the midst of this challenging situation, that we can choose our response to it. And we can choose to lift our energy up to the vibration of joy. I was thinking about, as I was driving down to pick my son up from the car rental place um, to join us for the holidays, driving down 163 towards Mission Valley, Every year, I think it's the Hilton Hotel, has their windows ablaze in bright red letters with the word joy. And it brought me a sense of joy just seeing that simple little thing, realizing, wait a minute, in just an instant, in just an instant, if I'm paying attention, I can change the way that I'm feeling. What are the sights that bring you joy? Maybe it's the sight of of a baby, or maybe it's the sound of a baby's laughter. Maybe it's the sight of a puppy or a kitten playing. What are the, the fragrances that bring you a sense of joy? You know, maybe the, the fragrance of cinnamon at this time of year, or, or cloves, or pine. You see, we have a choice. This is such a fundamental teaching in metaphysics, such a fundamental teaching in our spiritual practice that we always have a choice. We cannot control all the things that happen to us or around us, but we can always choose how we're going to respond. And if you find yourself going through this time feeling disheartened or discouraged or empty, you can acknowledge that, you can name that, but don't stay there. Know that you can make a different choice that you can practice a feeling of joy because it is not dependent upon circumstance. It is first and primarily a matter of mind and heart. Here's the second reminder. It's the idea of, of learning to let things be easy. 
And if they can't be easy, then at least learning to let things be a bit easier. Now, this is a practice for me. I don't profess to say I've mastered this one, and my family would probably be the first to tell you I haven't. But that doesn't mean I don't recognize how helpful and how life-giving and how joyful it can be to at least be willing to examine your life and ask, what can I make be a little bit easier? Where can I flow a little bit more and push a little bit less? I enjoyed very much a number of years ago studying and teaching from Robert Mueller's book, How Then Shall We Live? And I remember a story that he wrote about in that book of somebody that he was counseling, someone who came to him because this individual had was an artist, but had never made it as an artist, was always struggling, and was living out the, the mystique and the myth of the time of the struggling artist never being recognized or appreciated for, for his talent, and always struggling for recognition, always struggling financially to try to, to make a living from, from his art. And this individual came to Muller for some, for some counsel. What Muller also knew about this individual was that he also taught. He was an art teacher. And Muller knew that when he taught his students art, there was a certain ease about him, that he was able to connect with his students, which is one of the, the prerequisites for being an effective teacher, is first one must be able to connect heart to heart. He could connect with his students, and in that connection, he could teach them with a sense of ease the artistry of painting. And Muller said to him, what would it be like if instead of living your life under the struggle of the artist's mystique, you practice living your life the way you live your life as a teacher? What if you let it be easy? The idea that he was bringing forth, I think, is the idea that too often we struggle more than necessary. I'm not saying that life isn't difficult at times. It is. It can be very difficult. And yet, oftentimes we make it even more so than it is on its own. And so just the willingness to keep in our mind and to keep in our heart this question might there be a way that I could make this a little bit easier? Could I approach it a little bit differently? I remember another line from, I think it was from Muller's book, How Then Shall We Live? He said, what if you approached your life not as a problem to be solved, but as a gift to unwrap? As a gift to unwrap. What hidden blessing lies in what you've been calling a problem? Rather than pushing so hard to solve it, what if you were to look at it as not something so much to be solved, but as something to be discovered? I think in that practice, what happens is we begin to amp up the experience of joy. A third practice that helps us to live more in this spirit of joy has to do with the connection between joy and others. The connection between joy and practicing simple acts of kindness. I don't know if this is true for you, but as I reflect on the recent years, and I 
see and hear the deep division in our country, the polarization in our country, and what seems to be an increase in just meanness and lack of decency. My heart yearns for kindness, for this simplicity of kindness. And when I see it or I express it, right along with that, that seeing it or expressing an act of kindness, I can't help but feel more joyful. I think those are absolutely linked. I want to tell you about something that happened just on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. I was out shopping. My usual grocery shopping includes Costco and Trader Joe's. And I'm at Trader Joe's, it was on Friday, and I had to wait outside. I haven't had to do that for a while. And there were a good 14 to 15 people in front of me, all with our masks, all in the queue waiting, waiting to go in. And everybody was actually very, very peaceful. And then there was some commotion behind me. And I heard a woman's voice, several people behind me saying, can't we just let her take cuts? Come on. She's this woman behind me is saying to another woman, come on, let's just let her take cuts. And all of a sudden, we all bore witness to a woman who was quite elderly, was walking with a cane and having great difficulty trying to get into the main entrance of Trader Joe's. The woman didn't realize that there was a long line and that she needed to get behind us. And so the store clerk told her to get in line. And the woman that was at the very back of the line said, no, 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 come take cuts. And it was a beautiful moment because every single one of us allowed her to come and pass us by, and every single one of us in that line, trying to practice social distancing while trying to also help her maneuver her cart through this line and up over the curb and into the store. And as simple as that was, I was both joyful and a little bit sad that something like that could seem in a way, during this time, extraordinary. And I think perhaps it does because we've lost sight of what it means to just be kind, to seize every little opportunity to brighten someone's day. If we can't do that, then what hope do we have of really bringing forth a world that can truly, once and for all, work for everyone, leaving no one and nothing behind? Is that not what Christmas really is about? Yes, we are celebrating and acknowledging the birth of a master teacher of spiritual principle and consciousness. That's how we hold Jesus in unity. I know in other faiths he is held as the Savior, but no matter how you hold him or who your spiritual teacher is, each of them really spoke to this aspirational idea of brotherhood, of love, of kindness. I don't think that we can experience true joy in the absence of kindness. Another way that we can lift up this experience of joy, no matter what's going on around us, is to actually choose to infuse the ordinary with either curiosity or playfulness. Infuse the ordinary with curiosity or playfulness. What if you were to pick an ordinary task, household task that you've got to do? Emptying the dishwasher or washing the dishes by hand or doing the laundry or cleaning the bathrooms, whatever it may be. 
What if you were to say, instead of just doing it, because you've got to do it anyway, right? Instead of just doing what if you were to make a game of it? What if you were to say, I'm going to infuse this ordinary activity with a sense of playfulness. I'm going to approach it in a way I never have before. You know, I look at things, I think, in a very pragmatic sort of way. If I have to do it anyway, why do I want to just skip through that thing as if that time and that slice of life didn't matter? Because in reality, every moment of our lives does matter. In reality, every slice of our life matters. Because in truth, we never know how many more slices, how many more moments any one of us will experience. Part of our metaphysical practice and teaching, spiritual practice and teaching, is living in the moment. Not just getting through this moment to hopefully get on to a better one, but living more fully present in this moment. It's the only moment that we can really experience a sense of joy. And the very last that I would suggest is perhaps so very obvious, it's to savor the simple. To savor the simple, whether it is a gentle breeze on your skin, whether it is the smile of a stranger, whether it is someone pulling out your chair or opening the door for you, whatever, to not let it go by unnoticed. And as we make these very simple things a practice, we will find that each day experience, we experience a greater sense of joy. And to me, that is what this season is really about. It is about living with the energy of hope, with the practice of peace, with the expression of love, and with a feeling of joy. Namaste. Namaste.